Outer Brightness, From Mormon to Jesus. If you choose to become inactive or to leave the restored Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where will you go? What will you do? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Did I born myself again? No. He made me alive together with Christ. Listen, I can no more manufacture the second birth than I manufactured the first one. All right. Hey, Fireflies. Welcome back to Outer Brightness after many, many months of being away from hearing our voices. Uh, you've got here the Apostate Paul and my co-host, Matthew the Nuclear Calvinist. Matthew and I are reconnecting also after uh, several months of not talking except uh, over some instant messages. Um, both of us have been fairly busy this year. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit. But uh, Matthew, welcome back to recording for Outer Brightness. Yeah, it's exciting. It's glad to be glad to be back. It's been a while since we've uh, had one of our in-depth conversations. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has. The the cool thing though is that even though both of us have been very busy in the interim, I did uh, make a trip out to Utah to visit family, and um, while I was out there, I was able to connect with Matthew in Idaho Falls, uh, and uh, with his wife Rebecca, we had dinner together with my uh, sister Marta. So that was fun to do. Yeah, it was really good to, to meet you and your sister. It was pretty cool. We had a really good conversation. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so let's kind of just dive into a little bit. Um, you know, as I mentioned that we've both been very busy this year. Mm. Um, I'll talk a little bit about my circumstances and then Matthew, maybe you can share with our listeners what's been going on with you in your life as well. Sure. Um, so this year for me at work has been very busy. Um, I work for a fortune 50 company and lead a team of proposal writers. And, um, as we have had some natural attrition to our team, uh, we have not backfilled, uh, those positions. Um, I suppose you could say that the, the effects of the pandemic have, have kind of caught up with our company. And so there was a period of time where we looked to, uh, save some money, uh, not by cutting positions, but by, uh, not backfilling positions. And so that made, uh, for lots of additional work for myself and and the team that I lead. And so um, it's been a very busy year at work, uh, some long hours. And and so time, uh, extracurricular time to be able to record the podcast just wasn't uh, there as much as I would have liked to liked it to have been. Um, but we are in a position now where we're uh, actively recruiting to backfill the positions that we've been down. Uh, that will hopefully take place by uh, before the end of the year so we can get uh, some folks trained. But uh, hopefully in a better place uh, with work, but it gave me the opportunity to kind of step back and consider what we're doing with the podcast. And, um, you know, Matthew and I had a conversation when we met for dinner about, you know, what, what's the future of the podcast? Is there a future for the podcast? Um, have we fulfilled our mandate, so to speak, the, the goal that we set out to do uh, initially, we wanted to talk about each of the uh, 
articles of faith of the LDS Church and what we believed when we were Latter-day Saints and what we believe now as, as biblical Christians. And we completed that task. Um, and so we were kind of we were kind of asking the question, is there more for us to do with this? And and I think it's, you know, I can speak for myself and Matthew can speak for himself, but I think there is more for us to do. And so we've we've decided to do a relaunch. And that's why we're getting together today to talk a little bit about what that relaunch is going to look like. And um and yeah, and just kind of catch up our listeners on this pad these past uh eight months or so, seven months or so that we have not been releasing episodes regularly. So Matthew, why don't you catch our listeners up on what's been going on with you? Yeah, sure. Um yeah, so a lot of stuff's happened. I can't even remember the last time we recorded. So <laughs> but uh yeah, for the past year, well last year I was really busy preparing um my dissertation. It was my last year at RPI. So I was spending a lot of time preparing that and preparing for my defense. So I uh, defended last November and I uh, passed my defense. And then I spent the next month uh, doing revisions to my thesis. <laughs> so that took a lot of time as well. And in the meantime, uh, we were also, um, Rebecca and I were preparing to get married. So we had set, uh, we had gotten engaged in October and we set our uh, wedding date in December <laughs> because I didn't know when I would have to move to Idaho. So, uh, yeah, that kind of, uh, that kind of shocked everybody in terms of the timetable. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, had our pastoral meetings where, um, I forget what it's called exactly like, uh, marriage counseling or pre-marriage counseling. So we met with our pastor every week and did that. And then, um, yeah, defended my thesis, uh, uh, submitted it and then started my new job in December as well. So I started working remotely and then I've been working remotely in New York for about uh, eight months. As we started to get you know the house ready to be sold on the market because uh, we were staying with our in our in-laws house they'd moved out they'd bought a new house we stayed in their old house as we helped them put it on the market and then um so we said okay well we're gonna move in august so you know uh, i guess that's when we're gonna put the house on the market so uh, we moved to idaho falls in august and then we've we had kind of been working looking for a few weeks for a place to live finally found an apartment so that's where we are now that's where all this stuff is we're going to hopefully uh, move all that to do some storage area. But um, yeah, so we moved in. Um, so we got a place in Idaho Falls. So I've been, uh, I also got a really bad case of the flu. It might have been COVID. I don't know. We were, we were down pretty bad for a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, so, but we're both feeling, we're both feeling pretty well. Um, also, I'd been preparing for months, probably since about February or March. I've been preparing for this exam uh, for, for work. I guess it's kind of, it's not really necessary for work. It's kind of a thing I've always wanted to do. It's called the professional engineering exam. It's an eight and a half hour exam. So um, I've been preparing for that. I, um, I'd either waited too long to schedule it or there just weren't enough spots. But basically the only place where it was offering it is, well, it was only being offered once a year, one day a year. And that was in October. And uh, the only location I could find near me was either Montana or Boise. And it makes it sound like, oh, Boise, that's close to Idaho Falls, right? Well, uh, it was actually a four-hour drive west <laughs> to get to Boise. So I drove four hours the night before, stayed in a hotel, took the exam. Then right after the exam at six o'clock, seven o'clock, I drove home another four hours east. And so I got home close to midnight. So it was a pretty long day <laughs> after an eight-hour exam. So that was uh, last week. And I'm still waiting for the results. So I don't know if I passed or not. Um, some of the questions are really weird. So I might have to end up taking the exam again next year, but we'll see. So that's basically caught up. So yeah, I've just been been working at INL. I'm really liking it there. Um, Hopefully, being converted to full staff this year, where my boss is working on that. So, lots of uh, lots of changes. Yeah, nice. Congratulations, Matthew, on all of that. It's uh, been a very exciting time uh, for you, for sure, and uh, lots of new experiences for you and Rebecca uh, with the move and 
kind of beginning your lives together. And so uh, praise God for all of that, for uh, your renewed health and uh, be praying for the successful results for, for the engineering exam. Thank you. Appreciate it. Oh yeah. We're, uh, do we want to mention our articles or are we going to wait to talk about those? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Take it. Let's, uh, let's jump into that. Why don't you mention them? Yeah. So we were uh, invited by our friend, uh, Fred Anson. We were invited to write some articles. Um, so we were each given kind of like one article to write about uh, on his website, Beggar's Bread. And so um, it's it's a series called uh, 10 Things or 10 Myths, I guess. Or is it 10 Myths or 10 Things yeah, 10 Mormons Hate? I forget. 10 Myths. It used to be called 10 Things Mormons Hate, I think. I didn't really like that title either. So I'm glad they changed it. <laughs> but yeah, 10 Myths. So it's kind of like each one of us tackled um, myths related that are, you know, most frequently believed or repeated by by people when we're in discussions with Latter Day Saints, so we each were uh, we were each given a topic to uh, discuss or, or to write about. So both of our articles were published, right? Yours was the week before mine. I forget when yours when yours dropped. Yeah, they're they're coming out every two weeks. Um, and so my my first one, I've got I've actually got another one that I uh, owe to Fred. Uh, by oh, okay. Day today, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, the first one that I wrote was part four. Um, and, and yeah, the series is called 10 myths that, um, hang on, let me pull up my article and, uh, it's 10 myths. We, we initially were calling it 10 lies, but we decided to change that language because sometimes, um, we thought maybe Latter-day Saints don't intentionally lie about these things, but, um, they, they, they're myths because they're not true. So, uh, 10 myths that Mormonism tells about biblical Christianity. And it's a series of 10, 10 articles. Um, the first one was uh, that biblical Christianity apostatized. The second one was that the Bible has been corrupted. The third one was that biblical Christians believe in cheap grace. Um, Michael Flournoy, our friend and uh, sometimes co-host of the podcast, uh, wrote that one. Um, I wrote biblical Christians believe Christ prayed to himself, which was an article uh, kind of digging into the Trinity and the doctrine of the Trinity. And then Matthew, yours, uh, or no, sorry. Uh, yeah, yours just published today. Um, and that is that the biblical Christian God is a monster who sends good people to hell just because they never had a chance to hear the gospel. Um, and your article is uh, very good, very well written. So encourage our listeners to check that out. Um, anything else you want to kind of say about that, that series of articles, Matthew, or what we're looking to do there? I liked I liked yours as well. I'd also recommend they read yours, of course, uh, especially because you know so often Latter Day Saints and others they they misunderstand or they they misspeak about the Trinity. So I love I just want to read your conclusion. Um, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. Yet there are not three gods, but one true God. The Son did not pray to Himself, but to His Father. So that's kind of like in a nutshell. That's that's the article. I think it's great. Yeah. But um, thanks for that, Matthew. One of the one of the other things I said in the article that um that I particularly liked, uh, not because I wrote it, but because I think it makes sense is mm -hmm. that, you know, Latter-day Saints fail to acknowledge that the threeness of God and the doctrine of the Trinity is, is a real distinction of persons. Um, mm -hmm. Often in, in conversations with Latter-day Saints, they uh, will argue against the Trinity as if it's modalism um, and, uh, and will argue that it is modalism uh, just by default. And um, that's not, in my opinion, a very, uh, charitable or or honest way to go about dialogue with with biblical Christians if you're a Latter Day Saint, um, and so I wanted to call out that you know it's important for Latter Day Saints to acknowledge that for for Trinitarian Christians 
um, the distinction between persons is real. Yeah, that's great. And it's, um, like you said, I think it's, I think it's to hopefully the series will be there to clarify and to prevent misunderstandings rather than to, I don't know, to cause offense. That's kind of, I don't, that's kind of what, not what I wanted to do when I wrote my article. And I'm sure you're probably the same that my goal is to just put the truth out there. You know, I kind of, we, we talked a lot about it, you know, among all the authors of these articles. And I was just like, well, you know, there's so much more I want to say or could say, but you know, we're just kind of limited in space and time. So it's like, you know, I just wanted to let the Bible speak for itself. And it's like, just let it, you know, stand on its own two feet kind of thing. So if they, if they want to interact with it, you know, there's a comment section on, on beggars bread, they can leave replies to it. Um, they can tweet us or they can, you know, email us, however they want to contact us if they have questions or comments, or they think that maybe we didn't do as good a job explaining some point. So I would appreciate uh, feedback on that, at least on my article. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, to, to kind of touch on your article, Matthew, you, you mentioned that you, you know, you kind of wanted to put the, the biblical data out there and let it kind of stand on its own two feet. And I think you did a, a, a really good job of that. Um, each of the articles uh, for our listeners uh, benefit is, has the same format. So um we kind of line up what are the 10 myths at the beginning. There's a there's a kind of boilerplate introduction to each of the articles that touches on what we're trying to do with the articles. And then um, we go into what the myth is in that particular article that we're addressing, then a section on why it's a myth, um, and then a section, another section on how it's a myth. And the how it's a myth section really kind of digs into um, the way things really are viewed um, from a biblical uh, perspective by Christians. And so um, Matthew did a really good job of kind of laying out the evidence from the book of Romans um, for, you know, where God's sovereignty comes into play uh, uh, in terms of salvation. And so, um, you know, for our listeners benefit really, really would uh, recommend that you uh, check his article out. Um, because like I said, that that section really does a great job of, of work, working through Romans and what it says there. Um, and then, it, then there's a section, you know, why it matters. Um, and that's where we really try to get at the heart of the issue uh, for Latter-day Saints. Um, and uh, so just want to touch on a, a paragraph from Matthew's section of why it matters that um, I think is really well done. Um, so Matthew's, you know, addressing the myth of, is God a monster uh, because he would uh, send someone to hell, right? And um, that's often a charge that, that comes against biblical Christians from Latter-day Saints. And, and Matthew asks the question, but why does this matter? Um, it shows us that we are sinful creatures. We cannot hope to stand innocent before God based on our works. We cannot be righteous by what we do in terms of trying to keep God's law by our own gumption and best efforts and shaking our fists at God for executing justice against those who deserve punishment won't fix the problem either. God is fully just and right to punish those who break his law as he sees fit. And he has declared that the wages of sin is death. So, um, you know, a lot of times Latter-day Saints try to pretend to try to pit, um, you know, Paul, the apostle against Jesus. Um, but if you think about like the, um, in the gospels, when the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, uh, and 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 kind of boasts about all that he's done from his youth um, to live according to the law of Moses. And what more does he need to do uh, to um, inherit eternal life? You know, you can kind of you can you can kind of ask the question: what What's the question behind the rich young ruler's question? Right? Because he kind of comes and boasts about what he's done. Um, and so you kind of wonder: like, is the question behind the question really? Um, 
is he really looking for Jesus to say, nothing, you've, you've done it, <laughs> you know, you've, you've done it all. Um, but that's not what Jesus tells him. He, he tells him to go, go and sell all that he has. Um, and it kind of points up that, that even in this person's life who was trying to live according, or at least according to his own words, was trying to live according to the law of Moses uh, in, in every degree uh, from the time he was a youth, there was something yet that he wasn't willing to do. Right. And it, it kind of points up the fact that, that that's true of all of us. Um, right. There's, there's uh we're, we're never going to be able to do everything. And, and, and also there's because of the sin nature, we're not going to want to do everything right without being reborn. Um, and that's kind of that key difference between I think Latter-day Saint theology or Latter-day Saint views of soteriology is, is, is where that act of God in, in giving the new heart uh, comes in, right? They like to cite, if you love me, keep my commandments. But why does that statement begin with an if, right? I mean, if you love me, keep my commandments, kind of, some, kind of, kind of implies that there are people who wouldn't love him and why wouldn't they love him, right? But the, the Latter-day Saint view is kind of like, well, everybody should love Jesus, but there are people who don't. And then the question is why? And there are people who don't love God and the question is why? And so your article, Matthew, really kind of digs into that. And that's where that kind of key ground of, of disagreement between Latter-day Saints soteriology and Christian uh, biblical soteriology lies. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Paul. Fireflies, what we'll be doing over the next several months is publishing some episodes that Matthew and I had recorded earlier this year and had, and had intended to release um, before I got so busy uh, and wasn't able to keep up with the production schedule. But um We'd like to take a little bit of time uh, to share with you what we'll have upcoming. Um, this episode will publish first on Tuesday, uh, October 25th, so two days from now. Um, so you'll have that quick update and uh, introduction to what we're going to have coming in terms of our future episodes. And then uh, we'll be going to a bi-weekly uh, release schedule rather than a weekly release schedule. We think this will be uh something that we'll be able to keep up with better than, than a weekly uh, schedule, just to, uh, just given that we're both going to be continuing to be a little bit busier than maybe we have been in the past. Um, but the first uh, future episode that we'll have coming up uh, is an interview that we did with Sandra Tanner. Um, and that's going to release on November 1st. Um, and so we thought it would be fun to come together with with Sandra Tanner. She's so knowledgeable about Mormonism and um, all of the ins and outs of uh, the ways that uh, LDS doctrine has changed over the years and adapted in response sometimes to the work of, of Sandra and her uh, late husband, Gerald. Um, but we thought it would become fun to kind of come together with her and talk about why uh why she's stuck with Christianity after deconstructing Mormonism. A lot of times when she interviews with people, the focus is deconstructing Mormonism. And so we thought it would be kind of fun to, to give her a chance to talk about um, why she, why she remains a believer uh, in Jesus uh, after deconstructing Mormonism. So we had her on for that interview. Um, Matthew, what do you, what do you remember about that interview uh, and that you think our listeners can look forward to? Yeah, it was a while ago. I'm trying to remember everything we talked about. I just remember um, it's like Sandra's been, like you said, Sandra's just so knowledgeable. I mean, she's she discovered a lot of the, you know, a lot of the information um, put out, printed out a lot of the data along with her husband Gerald. Is like, like you said, 
So it's like she 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 knows it because she you know she literally wrote the book on <laughs> a lot of this stuff. So I was surprised just how sharp she still is, you know, how how much she still knows and you can ask her questions and she can bring up things and you know she doesn't I mean like maybe subtle details which is normal, you know, she might she um might struggle to remember but a lot of it, you know, she's just it's like she's a college professor, you know, that's just been teaching for <laughs> decades and she just knows like the back of her hand and uh, just her her very kind and sweet demeanor that she had with us. I mean, that's, she's she's just a wonderful woman. So, yeah, I hope our listeners really enjoy that interview because I, I enjoyed being able to talk with her in person after hearing everything she said and, you know, reading her books. And so it's great to meet her. How about you, Paul? What, what, what were the things that you remember most about it? So I remember um, one thing I remember in particular that our listeners won't necessarily hear in the episode, um, but that we got to experience was was her heart uh, as a Christian, um, because where she was living um, in the in the home and office where she and Gerald have had the the Utah Lighthouse Ministry bookstore uh, for decades, um, she recently moved out of there um, and will be closing the bookstore in 2023 uh, and retiring. But um, she lives in a part of Salt Lake City where there's um, quite a large homeless population, and uh, it's right across the street from. Um, I think there's still the Salt Lake Bees, the minor league team there. They might they might be something else now. Uh, they were the Bees when I still lived there a couple of decades ago. But um, she allows the uh, homeless men who who are you know living on the streets around her house to to use her her hose bib to get drinking water and, um, uh, and I'm assuming maybe bathe as well, but, um, or, or kind of clean themselves up a little bit. But, um, one of them had, had started using the hose bib that night and and then came to knock on the door and she went to, to speak with him during our interview and had to pause with us for a moment. Um, but got to see her heart as a Christian woman, you know, that she's not, she's not just someone who's, you know, trying to tear down Mormonism or something. She actually has, uh, this Christian heart to to help people as much as she can and in any way in any way that she can, um, even though as an elderly woman uh, that kind of puts her in a compromised uh, position relative to her safety, um, she was willing to to take that risk in order to um, help these men in any way that she could. So I thought that was really really nice and decent of her. And uh, I, I also remember you you mentioning to her in the in the interview, Matthew, because I was talking about how um, when I first uh, kind of encountered their writings um, was through uh, the the work of um, Fair Mormon when I was going through my initial faith crisis. And um, I remember hearing about the Tanners from my mom, but hadn't really encountered their writings. And uh, I was just mentioning how, you know, their, their ad hominem attacks against them um, really kind of interested me more in what they had to say and what they were writing about and talking about. Um, so it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, you know, cause if you think about Mormon history, you know, people like, uh, Eber D. Howe, uh, that wrote, uh, I think Mormonism unveiled and, um, you know, had, had kind of an impact, uh, on people being interested in Mormonism because they were trying to, uh, trying to write an expose about it. Right. And, uh, far fair had kind of the same impact on me. They made me more interested in reading what the Tanners had to say because they were trying to do an expose on them as horrible people. So, um, well done, uh, fair Mormon, but, um, yeah, look forward to that interview, uh, with Sandra Tanner. I, I also, while during my time in Utah, uh, in September, got to stop into the bookstore and see Sandra and, uh, spent about an hour chatting with her. Um, so that was, that was fun to finally meet her in person and, um, 
just talk with her about things. So that'll come up. That interview will release on November 1st. And then two weeks later on the 15th of November, we're going to release an interview that we did with Dwayne Green. Uh, Matthew, you went on his show, um, what, about a year and a half ago or so? Yeah, it was something like that over a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. And um, Dwayne Green, um, Matthew, why don't you talk about him a little bit? You're you're, you're a little bit more familiar with him. And, and uh, uh, I think you listen to him a little bit more than I do. But um, yeah, take it away. Talk about what we what we talked with Dwayne about. Yeah. So um, we so d- going back, Dwayne Green. Um, so he's someone I've known in some groups that I'm in and on Facebook. So we're both part of uh, uh, you might be a heretic. It's a group on Facebook. It's kind of like a Christian parody group where we post all kinds of things and just kind of fun, you know, tease, make fun about it. But at the same time, it also kind of gives us opportunity to share biblical truths because there's a lot of people from all over the spectrum and theologically that come in there, you know, there's, there's even Latter-day Saints that show up and, you know, everybody's welcome. We don't really kick somebody out unless they, you know, are really causing problems. So we have all kinds of people that show up there. So we post some things, we, you know, we have some laughs, but at the same time, I think it's a good opportunity to share, uh, to share truth with people. So uh, Dwayne is, is one of the uh, moderators there. So I'm a moderator also uh, in that group. And so we kind of, uh, we kind of, got to know each other that way. And we've shared posts with each other. He started a YouTube channel. I think it was related to his seminary degree or his college degree. Um, so he had started a um, YouTube channel, like I said, where he talks about all kinds of things. Usually it was um, related to the Bible and then it kind of just grew. It kind of just evolved to where he kind of wanted to find his niche. You know, he wanted to find what he really liked. And so a lot of what he started posting on his YouTube channel is about the Bible um, so he's had uh, all kinds of scholars uh, on his channel who are experts in the New Testament and the Old Testament and uh, you know critical the critical texts versus the ecclesiastical texts. So he's had people on there to give their views, and um, he's kind of he's not uh, he's not hard one way or the other. You know, like he I, I believe he really likes the King James, and I still like the King James too. Um, but he's still not you know he's not King James only um, advocate. So he's, but he's had people who are King James only advocates or uh, Texas Receptus advocates. For those who don't know, Texas Receptus is just Latin for the received text. And that's referring to the Greek text that was compiled in the creation of the King James Bible. And so there are those who say that the text, that text, that specific Greek text is the one we should use. So he's, he's, um, so he had me on to talk about, uh, not about, you know, biblical text and textual criticism, because I'm definitely not an expert on that, but <laughs> he had me on to talk about my faith journey and being a Latter-day Saint. And um, so that was really fun to have, have him on, to be on his program. And then we invited him on our program and we, um, so we talked about um, the Greek New Testament. So that's the one thing that we wanted to talk about is kind of get kind of dip our toes a little bit into textual criticism since that's a topic that, you know, a lot of, um, we have a lot of debate with, with Latter-day Saints, you know, they'll say, you can't even know what the Bible says, you know, how do you even know what the text is because it's been changed over time, et cetera. And so we kind of talked about that. We talked a little bit about, um, transmission versus translation. So transmission is the copying of texts and, you know, trans transmitting those texts throughout time. You know, you make one copy and you'll have transmission lines. So, you know, copies will deviate into different transmission lines and they'll go to different locations. And so textual uh, critical scholars, they try to figure out how those texts all connect. You know, like if there's a copy error made in one text, it'll propagate through other texts and then comparing that to other textual lines, then you can find out where errors propagated and then you can figure out, you know, what, what was added, what was taken away typically what was added. So we kind of just talked about that and, and what his views were about 
the, the King James Bible and, you know, if we should use the critical text, which is the one that modern textual critical scholars use or the Texas Receptus, like I said, which is kind of what was used to make the King James Bible. So, um, yeah, so that's basically kind of what we talked about. But um, what, what do you remember of that interview, Paul, that, that you enjoyed? Um, hmm. <laughs> so what I remember most about that interview is, is really realizing just uh, how little I know about textual criticism because it's not, you know, I, I learned enough uh, in seminary to, to be dangerous, but uh, it's something that, that Dwayne really uh, delves into. And um, so I, I had made a, a mistake uh, in talking about the Texas Receptus and referred to it as a critical text. And, and he corrected me there. It's not a critical text. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so it, it, I, I found the, in, the interview with him very interesting uh, to learn a little bit more about, um, you know, what goes into the King James only debate uh, with regards to Texas Receptus versus modern critical texts and, um, and kind of the differences in methodology uh, that went into uh, the, the compilation of uh, the Texas Receptus versus modern critical texts, and so um, really interesting article, a really interesting interview for sure. It's it's a, it's a little bit, um, I'll, I'll just say it's a little bit wonky for uh, some, uh, maybe for for the taste of some, but uh, I think it's a, an interesting, uh, like you were saying, Matthew, kind of foray, dipping our toes into uh, textual criticism. Um, the people that the scholars that kind of live in that world. Um, it's a very uh, specific kind of knowledge and and uh, skill set that they bring to the table, and so um, it's not something that uh, all of us are kind of always thinking about. But it affects uh, the way that we uh, interpret the scripture, interpret scripture, and and the ways that uh, scripture is is translated. And so it's an important conversation to have um, because I think that uh, a lot of times Latter Day Saints and, and and sometimes some Christians as well will overemphasize um the extent to which they think the, the the bible has been corrupted and so um i think that it's kind of an important uh corrective to to hear that interview with Dwayne green would you agree with with that assessment yeah yeah there's a lot of great points that you made paul um yeah i agree it's we kind of wanted him on just because like you said the, the corruption of the text is such a big topic that, that is brought up so so often by LDS and we, we made a series about uh, which article of faith was it? article faith number eight about the reliability of scripture. And so we had like a three or four part series about how we can trust scripture and we can rely on it. So, but this is kind of like getting, we, we kind of wanted to get more detail into why you can trust it, you know, like with this textual criticism, does that mean we should doubt the Bibles that we're reading? So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, like you, I'm not an expert on it. So it was really great to hear from Dwayne who's kind of, I mean, he, he doesn't have like a master's or PhD in, textual criticism or anything of that nature. And he's not a textual critical scholar himself, but he's interviewed people who are, and it was cool that he kind of just absorbed, you know, all the information from them and from reading. And, and so it was cool to be able to, to talk to him and his, his experience and what he's learned. Uh, I've, I'd only before, I'd only read one book because I was interested in it by Theodore Letus. He's kind of like one of the main advocates of the Texas Receptus, but he called it the ecclesiastical text. So I'd read his book on, on that topic and he had some interesting arguments. I wasn't fully convinced, but he, he had some, interesting arguments that made me think about some things mm. in a different way. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And I didn't, uh, didn't mean to imply that, uh, Dwayne himself is wonky, but the topic can get wonky. And so, um, right. Yeah. But it's, but it's, it's an important one to, to kind of dive into one of the, one of the, uh, things about our, our, uh, modern age, and I'm, I'm probably going to sound like an old person here, but one of the things about our modern age that I, I kind of, um, lament sometimes is, 
the extent to which, and, and, I, and I can be guilty of this as well, the extent to which we're willing to uh, listen to a short sound bite, um, maybe a TikTok video uh, that's one to three minutes long about a topic. And we're like, oh, now I know that the church has been lying to the world for all these centuries and millennia. And, um, you know, I, I think it just requires a bit more patience and a bit more um, willingness to dig in and and really pay attention to the details than, than that. And so um, the discussion with Dwayne is kind of an opportunity for some of our listeners to do that a little bit with textual criticism. Um, yeah, for sure. So next up, uh, two weeks after that, we'll be releasing an episode, uh, another interview that we did with a listener named Sarah Bateman. Um, and she had reached out to us um, because she and her parents were meeting with some LDS missionaries and she had some questions for us uh, as uh, Christians who were formerly Latter-day Saints on how to have effective conversations, effective uh, biblical and doctrinal conversations with Latter-day Saint missionaries. So uh, we got together with um, Sarah and uh, had a had a good conversation with her uh, about that, answered some of her questions and um, allowed her to share her thoughts on how the conversations with the missionaries were going uh, between her parents and, and herself and the missionaries. And um, her father is a Christian pastor. Um, and so, you know, that was interesting uh, to talk about as well. Um, Matthew, what, what stands out to you about our conversation with Sarah? Like you'd, um, like you'd said before, where it's unfortunate that so much of our information today is disseminated through very short media, you know, sound clips, TikToks, you know, two minute YouTube videos, things like that. That's what gets clicks or maybe just, you know, articles where people, but people don't even read the article. They just read the clickbait title and then they get upset about it. You know, yeah. so much of our, so much of today is that's, that's how people get their, their news. And so to hear from her, I think the thing that stuck out the most to me was just her desire and her love for, for Latter-day Saints and for her genuine uh, curiosity to know what it is they actually believe so that she can dialogue with them. Like, um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of easy when you're wanting to talk to people of a different faith to just get just the bare minimum amount of knowledge or understanding so that you know how to, you know, to attack them or to defeat them. You know, it's kind of like, okay, just tell me how to use this weapon and then I'll go out and just, you know, take them all down, you know. <laughs> but she kind of seemed like she really wanted to like dive in deep into her understanding of the LDS faith. And um, she said... Uh, I think she said she listened to like most or all of our episodes. And I was like, what? <laughs> we have like 120 episodes or something. I was like, man, I, I kind of feel bad for you having to listen to my droning voice for, you know, however many hours. But um, no, it was, it was great that she, she, that she found use in our, in our program, which is kind of one of the goals that we'd had for the program is we just wanted whoever uses it to, for it to be useful. That was my kind of my goal, you know, whether it's Latter-day Saints who are doubting and they kind of want, to find a Christian home to, to land in or they're scared about leaving. And so they're wondering what it's like on the other side, mm -hmm. or like I said, and people who had never been LDS who want to know more about the LDS faith. That's another thing too. Um, so I was just, I was just really pleased and, and grateful and humbled that, she, you know, that our material could actually be helpful to her. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So the next uh, episode that's going to be coming out on December 13th is uh, uh, some time that we spent with Michael Flournoy. Um, mm -hmm talking about uh, understanding grace. Uh, it's a discussion about Brad Wilcox's speech. Um, when we when we had the interview with Sarah Bateman, she mentioned um, that 
you know, she perceived that there were differences between how Latter-day Saints and Protestants understand and talk about grace, and um, that that those differences have kind of been at the forefront of the discussions that she and her parents have been having with LDS missionaries. Um, and she had asked because one of the missionaries had recommended to them uh, Brad Wilcox's BYU devotional speech titled His Grace is Sufficient. So she had asked if we had ever talked about that uh, that speech on uh, the podcast, and um, we hadn't. But our friend and, and co-host sometimes, Michael Flournoy, uh, did write an article about uh, Wilcox's speech. So we had Michael on to talk about uh, Brad Wilcox's speech. So that'll be coming up on December 13th. Um, and then uh, coming up in, in November, we're going to be interviewing Rich Hoyer. Uh, he was on the podcast once before. Rich is a, a Christian pastor in uh, the, the Christian tradition uh, to which I belong, the American uh, Restoration Movement, um, Independent Christian Churches, Churches of Christ. And uh, Rich uh, is from the Louisville area and uh, had for several years hosted a, an apologetics conference in Louisville called the Reveal Conference. And we had him on um, a year or so ago to uh, talk about why Christian apologetics is important, uh, because that's a topic that is near and dear to his heart. Um, and because it is, he has uh, recently released a uh, book called So You Think You Understand Christianity, uh, subtitled Teaching Christianity to a Culture That's Saturated with Misconceptions. Um, and I think that's a really interesting title. Um, I've listened to the book, uh, the Kindle version of the book I've listened to uh, through Kindle Reader uh, while I've mowed lawns, um, and we're going to interview Rich about the book uh, coming up in November. So um, you can look forward to that. And then um, there's a number of episodes that we recorded um, and just uh, haven't released yet, but we're going to get them out um, running between uh, like I said, November 1st and, uh, March 7th on a bi-weekly basis. Um, we did an episode that we called the, uh, Joseph and Mary chain. Uh, Matthew and I kind of came together to talk about, uh, what it means to worship and whether or not Roman Catholics worship Mary, whether or not Latter-day Saints worship Joseph Smith. Those are charges that get thrown around a lot. Um, and, you know, there's the perennial accusation that singing the LDS hymn praise to the man equates to worship to Joseph Smith. So we can decided it might be fun to talk about that. Um, and so we did that. Um, we had an episode called that we're calling the harrowing of hell and second chances, which kind of was an outgrowth of some feedback we received from publishing our episode on uh, Jonathan Edwards. Or no, sorry, that was from the episode on uh, the Apostles Creed because there were some Latter-day Saints that that felt like there was a certain phrase, uh, uh, descended, Christ descended into hell in the Apostles' Creed, that uh, maybe Latter-day Saint doctrine uh, fit better with than uh, traditional Christian doctrine. And so, uh, with, with their view of um, second chances in the in the spirit world for those who did not accept the gospel on earth. And so, we, we have this episode called The Harrowing of Hell and Second Chances, uh, where we're talking about that. Um, we also have an episode that'll uh, be released early next year called The Candle of the Lord. Uh, it's, we're calling that the Testimonium Part 2. Um, with that Testimonium series, we're looking to kind of dig into um, what is the, the internal witness of the Holy Spirit? How does that differ from um, the way Latter-day Saints talk about their testimonies? 
and are there differences and, and what does that look like? Um, and so one of the classic uh, LDS speeches on having a testimony or gaining a testimony is called The Candle of the Lord by Boyd K. Packer, who was an LDS apostle. So we came together and, and kind of read through uh, Boyd K. Packer's speech and, and talked about it. Um, we, we received a question about uh, Tad Collister's, other Tad Collister's uh, article that the LDS church ruins its members for other Christian churches, which is kind of a polemical article uh, that was published in the LDS church news a while back, um, arguing that because LDS doctrine uh, is better than uh, Christian doctrine in, in certain regards, according to his argument, that the LDS church ruins its members for other Christian churches because no other Christian churches have these specific doctrines that are unique to Mormonism. So we came together and read that article and talked about it. And then uh, finally, on March 7th of next year, we will uh, release an episode called 17 Evidences of the Sorry, an episode called 17 Evidences of the Devil's Church, uh, where Michael Flournoy, again, is the guest to talk about his article of that title. Um, and what he's trying to do with that article is um, there's a classic Mormon apologetics article um, that, what's it titled? 17 Evidences of the True Church? Is that what it is, Matthew? Uh, I, think, I think I'd say, yeah. Yeah, and so Michael's, Michael's title is kind of a play on that. Um, and so... Uh, Michael seeks to address that article and the claims that are made within that article. So we had him on to, to talk about his article and um, we'll be releasing that March 7th. Um, and that kind of will bring us up to date with uh, all of the episodes that we have kind of in the can and um, prepared to go and release to you. Um, and then Matthew and I will be beginning a, a regular recording schedule again uh, after the first of the year. Um, and so, you know, Glad to be back uh, recording for you and uh, hope you've stuck around with us. I know I've, I've checked the, the, the Podbean stats a few times here and there, so I, I know that there's continual uh, listeners. Um, we're getting downloads every week, and so um, that's encouraged us to, uh, as we've asked the question, is there a future for this podcast? That's encouraged us to let us know that there are still people out there for whom this is meaningful. And so uh, as long as there are people out there for whom this is meaningful, we're going to continue to to have our conversations. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We're, we've got a lot of different ideas of where we're going to take the podcast in the future, you know, what different ideas in terms of topics and people we can interview. I think also my moving from New York to Idaho will also open up some doors in terms of people we could interview since we were both away from, you know, <laughs> the, the Utah, Idaho, Arizona area. But now that I'm yeah. <laughs> but now that I'm here, you know, I've, th I've thought about people we can, we can interview like local pastors and, and missionaries and, or, you know, whoever. So yeah, we got a lot of great stuff coming. So I hope you'll stick around. Yeah, Looking forward to it. So welcome back fireflies and we'll talk to you again soon.